Welcome back to the world of investing. For today's episode, I'm going to talk about something called a capstone project, which I was involved in recently over the second semester of my junior year of high school. So basically a capstone is this sort of passion project where you can basically decide on any topic to focus on and complete over the school year, but the work you do is outside of school. Throughout this project, um, you're involved in much research and you work with professionals and your peers on a topic you choose and then you compose a final presentation in the end like a slideshow for example. So I want to talk about my capstone project because it relates to this podcast. Um, it focuses on the topic of business and more specifically Apple, Microsoft, and Google and their dominance in the technology industry. To start I want to go over my initial goal of the project. So in the future uh, personally, I'm interested in creating a business myself, so I thought it was important to basically look at successful businesses and how they achieve success. With that being said, my ultimate goal was to find the most successful businesses and briefly analyze them and like look into their background and stuff. So in order to achieve my goal, I, uh, I first actually had to define the term success because success can actually mean many things in the business world. During my research process, I first came across an article from Harvard Business Publishing. It went over the definitions of success, and they varied based on public versus private companies. The public definition was an assumed goal of maximizing shareholder value. Uh, this is the one of the most straightforward ways in increasing earnings and profits. And then a the non-public definition was defined in different ways through something called the ownership strategy. And that was basically based on three aspects control, liquidity, and growth. And this definition of success was basically basically based from the business owner's standpoint. So ultimately, I chose to focus on public companies because more information is out there about public companies. And as an investor myself, I'm interested in public companies because those are the companies I actually can invest into. So like I said, I... Um, came to the conclusion of basing the success of a public company on their profitability because this coincides with maximizing shareholder value, which was the goal expressed in the article, uh, the Harvard Business Publishing article. And obviously, profitability isn't the only factor that relates to maximizing shareholder value. For example, Tesla, they had a high evaluation with no profits yet, so they had no profitability. But still, this correlation is common, and profitability plays a large role in defining the achievements of a company. So when talking about success, I'm referring to profitability, which basically means the degree to which yields a profit or financial gain. So after continuing my research process, I came across the three most profitable companies in the world. And these companies were all from tech firms, which I found interesting. Um, the first one was Apple, the second was Microsoft, and the third was Google. So I set out to analyze each individual company to basically explain the reasons behind their dominance in the tech industry based on profitability and also in all industries. Um, I mean like them, them specifically, they dominate the tech industry, but they're also the most profitable company out of all the industries in the world. So my question was, why do these spots belong to tech companies specifically? Well. Products and services of the tech industry are used throughout the economy. Tech is relied upon for improvements in quality, productivity, and profitability. 
there is no sector of the modern economy that tech does not touch and that does not rely upon the tech sector to improve quality, productivity, and or profitability. Um, tech is required for modern society to, to function, basically. It's also required for future advancements. When talking about tech, it can be broken down into four parts, software, networking, internet, hardware, and semiconductors. And for semiconductors, I'm just going to briefly talk about that because of the three companies, Apple, Microsoft, and Google, they don't really specialize in making them. So first, with software, this is a key, a key um, component of tech, like I said, and also of the three companies. Without software, nothing much happens in the modern world. Software is everywhere, and it's present in critical components of everything, from basically pacemakers to cars. Uh, but none of those devices can do much of anything without software. As a result, it's not really surprising that software is a huge industry as well, um, on the order of hundreds of billions. Second, with networking, the creation of networks has not only significantly improved efficiency within companies, but it has improved the internet itself, which is one gigantic network. It has facilitated major changes to commerce and has underpinned entirely new business models like mobile banking, for example. Third, hardware. Um, it's still a key part of the tech world. Um, although software is increasingly replicating the functions of many pieces of hardware, there's still a major market for many types of hardware, and the sector is not as obsolete as many believe. So company-wide networks and the internet itself not only work because of hardware, it's a huge backbone of equipment. And with software, this is basically just a set of instructions, and hardware is the something to be instructed and to carry out those instructions. So lastly, semiconductors. Um, it's a huge industry. Um, I mean, it's a huge market on its own. Uh, there are other types of products and services that depend upon semiconductors. But, like I said, it's not... Uh, it doesn't really relate to the three companies that I'm going to be discussing, but still, it's arguably the access around which tech spins. It's very important in the, in the world. So now... I'm going to be talking about Apple, the most profitable company in the world. So, to give a little background, Apple was founded by college dropout Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. They basically sought to change the way people viewed computers. So, Jobs and Wozniak started out in Jobs' garage and sold the Apple One, their first computer. Uh, this was without a monitor, keyboard, or casing, and they actually later decided to add that on in 1977. The Apple II, their second one, revolutionized the computer industry with the introduction of the first ever color graphics. And from this, sales jumped from 7.8 million in 1978 to 117 million in 1980. And that was the year that Apple went public. So Apple was doing well uh, until the 90s, where it was actually thought to be doomed by the year 96. But then Jobs took over and made major changes. He previously left the company to focus on his own. So throughout the rest of the 1980s, Apple was like doing very well, and in 1990 it actually posted its highest profit yet. But over the course of a few years, Apple's market share suffered slowly, and after its peak in 1990, by 96, experts believed the company to be doomed. It was not until 97 when Apple was desperately in need of a new operating system, when Steve Jobs came back and became interim CEO. And with this, he decided to make major changes around Apple. So, 
eForge an alliance with Microsoft to create a Mac version of its popular Office software. And not long after this decision was, I guess, the turning point for the company. So Jobs revamped the computers and introduced the iBook, a personal laptop, followed by an iPod and later an MP3 player, which became the market leader. As many people know, Apple has made significant achievements with the well-known iPhone, for example. The iPhone, a touchscreen cellular phone, introduced in 2007, was one of the world's most successful products, and the company has released several new versions since. Other popular products include the iPad tablet and Apple Watch. Uh, most recently, Apple has expanded its service segments with its credit card, the Apple Card, uh, Apple News for News, the Apple Arcade for Games, and Apple TV Plus for streaming and original content produced by Apple, which I, myself, and others definitely personally enjoy. The popularity of iPhones made Apple the first company valued at $1 trillion in 2018, and two years later it actually doubled that figure. So now that I've kind of went over the background of Apple, uh, I'm going to go into the uh, success of Apple and basically behind their many achievements. So Apple created breakthrough products and services with recurring revenues by focusing on creating breakthrough products like the iPod, iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch, along with a rich set of services that have recurring revenues. Apple's growth, uh, especially since Steve Jobs' death in 2011, has been spectacular. Profits more than quadrupled from $6 billion in quarter one of 2011 to $28.8 billion in quarter one in 2021. Steve Jobs greatly contributed to success. Uh, he was the visionary behind their products and services, but he's not as known for this, but it's pretty big. With Apple's success, he's also known through his, his hirings, or she, she should be recognized through his hirings, and he should get credit for that because one of his best hires, Tim Cook, the current CEO of Apple today, uh, his decision to have Tim work on their supply chain and operations when he returned to Apple basically goes down as a visionary move by Jobs. Jobs had a clear vision for product designs by 1998, but he needed a top-notch person to salvage a broken supply chain, which was crippled by the last two CEOs at Apple from 92 to 97. So Tim Cook not only corrected the supply chain and operational efficiencies, but he created a world-class version of each that Apple has built on to become a multi-trillion dollar company. After Jobs' cancer diagnosis in 03, he helped mentor Cook, and he became the CEO in 2010, a year before Steve Jobs died. He obviously mentored him to prepare him because Jobs knew what was coming, possibly. Um, here again, Jobs' foresight has served the company well, as Apple's most significant growth has come under Cook over the last 12 years. Another reason behind Apple's success was their risk taken with several innovations, such as the Apple Store. Apple Stores basically divide logic against all odds. Um, they went on to become a unique retailing venture, which gave Apple a recognizable public face. The stores are Apple's signature street presence with their superior visual appeal, which has captivated fans worldwide and basically guided every brand experience. Um, a little fact to go along with this is that in the U.S. there are currently 272 stores and 526 locations globally. And this kind of highlights the, the global outreach of Apple and a reason behind their dominance globally. They have reached many countries and within the United States there are many stores and, and single states. 
Uh, I think the last reason I'm going to touch on is going to be how Apple continues to consistently advance their tech and create breakthrough products and services. So Apple's upside, besides growing sales and demand from the current line of products and services, is framed by the fact that Apple has many other big things in the works. So Apple has a significant research product, project on autonomous vehicles, the Apple Car. Uh, recently they announced Apple Vision Pro, which certainly caught my attention. I think it looks pretty cool and pretty fascinating. They deem it the era of spatial computing, and it basically blends digital content with physical space, something like I've never seen before in terms of virtual reality. And once again, it's another captivating product that caught my attention and the attention of many other people. So next, I'm going to be talking about Microsoft, the second most profitable company. And first, uh, I'm going to get into their background. Microsoft was founded in 1975 by two childhood friends, Bill Gates and Paul Allen. On April 4th, 1975, this was a time when most Americans used typewriters. This is when Gates and Paul Allen founded Microsoft, and that's a company that makes computer software. Many people know of it. Originally, they sought to produce software for an early personal computer, the Altair 8800. Gates and Allen started Microsoft in order to produce software for it, like I said. Um, Allen quit his job as a programmer in Boston, and Gates left Harvard University, where he was a student, to focus on their new company. By the end of 78, Microsoft sales topped more than $1 million. And keep in mind, this is very early on, and in 78, this is when they were on the forefront of producing software for personal computers. Um, so Microsoft debuted its first personal computer in 81. The company went on to license its operating system for its first PC, which debuted in 81. Um, afterward, other computer companies started licensing it. In 85, they revolutionized the world by releasing Windows. This was a new operating system with a graphical user interface that included a drop-down menu, scroll bars, and other features. The following year, the company went public at $21 a share raising $61 million, and you could see the, the growth from $1 million previously in 78. Um, by the late 80s, Microsoft had become the world's biggest, largest personal computer software company based on sales. In 95, amid skyrocketing purchases of personal computers for home and office use, Windows 95 made its debut. This was an expanded and more advanced version of the original Windows. It included such innovations as a start menu, uh, TV commercials for Windows 95 featuring, or they featured Rolling Stones singing Start Me Up. There was a lot of publicity for this. Um, Seven million copies of the new product were sold uh, in the first five weeks. During the second half of the 90s, internet usage took off and Microsoft introduced its web browser, Internet Explorer. And currently many people still use this browser today. Now I'm going to get into the behind Microsoft's success. So during my research process, I came across an interview with Bill Gates, and he basically explained how Microsoft originally found their success. And one thing that he highlighted was the fact that they were at the forefront of this PC revolution. They're one of the early leaders in the PC era, and they took advantage of this by creating a demand for their products and services. 
So once again, it's important to highlight that they were at the forefront of this. They were the, the company that took advantage of their opportunity early on. Second, Microsoft has a variety of other businesses. For example, the Office franchise remains an effective monopoly, and the Servers and Tools division has grown into an impressive $18 billion business. Xbox leads in gaming and is evolving into a strong interactive TV platform. Um, personally, many of my friends and I have used Xbox, and many people I know, it's very popular, especially with, I guess, like gaming evolving. Microsoft has implemented cloud computing, which is one of the most important techs of the past 15 years. That and basically a culture change uh, with the foundations that, I guess, morphed Microsoft from uh, like a slow-growing business to a to a winning business. The and cloud computing is basically the delivery of different services through the internet, like data storage, for example. Third. Microsoft was able to overcome its struggles in the mid-2000s to 2014 due to a significant need for their product by many businesses. In 1998, the U.S. Department of Justice and 20 state attorneys charged Microsoft with violating antitrust laws by using its dominance to drive competitors out of business. In 2001, the company reached a settlement with the government that imposed restrictions on its corporate practices. However, many businesses they still needed to buy Windows computers. Um, Microsoft's email and document software and its tech to run powerful back-end computers called servers. So because of this demand, Microsoft was basically able, able to, to find success to, despite their, their struggles with the law. Next, I'm going to be talking about the third most profitable company, and that is Google. So Google, originally called Backrub, was founded by Larry Page and Sergey Brin in 98. Working from their dorm rooms, they built a search engine that used links to determine the importance of individual pages on the World Wide Web. Soon after, Backrub was thankfully renamed Google. The name was a plan of mathematical expression for the number one, followed by 100 zeros, with this aptly reflects Larry and Sergey's mission to basically organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Over the next few years after it was created, Google caught the attention of not only the academic community, but Silicon Valley investors as well. Uh, in August 1998, Sun co-founder Andy B. wrote Larry and Sergey a check for 100k, and this is when Google Incorporated was officially born. With this key investment, the newly incorporated team made the upgrade from their dorms to their first office, which was a garage in suburban Menlo Park, California. Google expanded rapidly though, moving its headquarters from a garage to a corporate complex in Mountain View, California in a matter of years. Currently, Google is not only the most popular search engine, but has made hundreds of products used by billions globally. This is from Google. The relentless search for better answers continues to be at the core of everything they do. Today, Google makes hundreds of products used by billions of people across the globe, like I said, from YouTube and Android to Gmail and, of course, Google Search. So now I'm going to get into behind their success. So Paige and Bryn came up with an innovative idea to tame the mass amount of material on the World Wide Web. 
Google's success originated in one simple insight from its founders. They realized in the late 90s that there was a lot of material that was on the web, and this could be tamed by ranking search results based on their popularity. And today, of course, they haven't looked back, making millions from online advertising and embracing some of the most challenging new ideas in the world of tech. Similarly to Apple and Microsoft, they were at the forefront of a new new innovation. In regards to Google's search engine, its early accomplishments provided it with the data necessary for future growth. While Google did come up with the best search engine on the market, it was the early successes that basically provided them with the experience to, to look at the data and allow it to improve quickly and experience a lot of growth. Google has taken a creative approach to coming up with new innovations. Uh, for example, their 20% time. So alongside nurturing the growth of the search engine, uh, Page and Brin were eager to explore new ground and create new new services and products. And with this, they were inspired by 20% time, which basically allowed employees to take one day a week for some blue sky thinking on original products or projects. Uh, and this has produced some innovations such as Google News and the virtual reality Google Cardboard fold-out views. Last, the company has made significant acquisitions and has focused on other products different from their search engine. Uh, many have I discussed, but for example, over the last um, few years, they have brought a lot of companies under their umbrella. Um, their executives have been driven by wanting to have startups and so they've they've like I said put it many companies under their umbrella um, the company created their parent company Alphabet and they left um, Google for the more outlandish moonshot businesses like extending human life drone deliveries and it's kinda crazy but internet provision via high altitude balloons another fact is that a little over a decade ago Google bought YouTube for 1.65 billion dollars and now YouTube actually generates $1.65 billion in ad revenue every three weeks. That was to according to 2021 data. So to summarize my, my research and my findings, it's important to recognize that profitability is the measure of a successful business. To be successful, a business should have a clear strategic focus, a team of talent, uh, dedication, and I feel which is very, very important, an innovative product slash service. In the end, you definitely need a product or service that is wanted by the public because this is how you're actually going to create demand and, and sell it. All right, this is going to be the end of the episode. Thanks for watching, and I'll definitely be posting more, more content soon. Thanks for listening.